Hi, everyone. Welcome to Looped In. This is the Houston Chronicle podcast all about real estate. The dirt, the deals, the people, the places. It's all here. I'm Nancy Sarnoff, real estate reporter with the Houston Chronicle. And I'm here today with Rebecca Schutz. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Nancy. How are you? Life is good. Can't complain. I'm alive. Yes. Do not have the coronavirus. Right? That's pretty good. Yeah, this is wild. And, you know, basically today at work, it was sort of all hands on deck, mm-hmm. coronavirus coverage, mm-hmm. which has been pretty fascinating hearing what a lot of these companies are doing. And, you know, we were just talking with our retail reporter who was saying that the stores are getting sold out. Of, mm-hmm. I, I'm exaggerating. They're not getting sold out of things, but... Well, they- some things, yeah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. I guess they're replenishing, but mm-hmm. water, toilet paper, it's yeah, it's definitely freaking people out in a yeah. in a pretty big way. And whether it's justified or not, I don't think anyone is really wanting to make that call just because it's still so uncertain. Yeah. I think people are playing it safe. I thought it was interesting because my um my cousin's fiance mm-hmm. is a pharmacist at Costco. Mm. And it was interesting because in one of Paul's stories, it said that there aren't that many face masks made in the United States anymore because some factories closed down because they were being undercut by China. So we usually ship them over from China to America. Uh-huh. But now, since they're sold out in China, people are buying them up and sending them back to their relatives. Oh, my gosh. In China. So these masks are traveling like just back and forth across the country <gasps> or across the ocean. My cousin's fiance was saying, you know, Every time they got a new shipment, there was this one guy who was coming in and buying the entire shipment. I think that's why some stores are putting caps in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Did you buy any? I have not. <laughs> Neither have I. Someone in my family has a package of 10, though. So <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll call on my doctor friends. Yeah. <laughs> you and I both cover housing. We kind of... Mm-hmm often look at different angles, but something that you have looked a lot at is these iBuyers, which we've talked about extensively on this podcast, these companies that will make you a quick offer on your home. If you type some information into a website, you can close pretty much at any time. They charge you, some might say, a pretty big fee to do so, but it allows you to make a quick sale on your house. And it seems like now there's more data that's starting to come out about these companies. Mm-hmm. Are they making money? Are they, how many properties are they buying and selling? What have you found out about recently in terms of these iBuyers? So iBuyers are interesting because people toss around the word disruptor all the time. Mm. There's this idea that Buying and selling a house is a very complicated process. And if you could figure out how to make it very easy, you could stand to make a lot of money because usually you're paying various fees, you know, um, oftentimes like about 6% of a home sales price actually goes in fees to the realtors. And a lot of people work in the real estate industry, obviously. We Mm -hmm. have three reporters covering it. So there's a lot of people's livelihoods and then a lot of people's biggest assets are all in real estate. So any change could be potentially huge. So there are two bits of information that came out recently. One was an analysis by a real estate company named Redfin. Mm -hmm. Redfin actually has its own iBuying operation. 
called Redfin Now. And what they did was they looked at public records and they also looked at what was on the multiple listing service. And they did their own analysis trying to calculate what percentage of the homes sold were actually sold to an iBuyer. Okay. So instead of using a real estate agent, I just used this tech company, sold it to them. They said one out of every hundred homes nationally sold in 2019 was sold to one of these companies, um, which include Open Door, which was one of the first companies to do it. They would say the first. Zillow, they had a lot of money to put into it and they quickly grew. Uh, Redfin's uh, has their own. OfferPad has one. So those companies are, they're just buying a huge number of homes. Two things that are happening. These companies are doing this in more markets. And in the existing markets, they're buying a lot more homes. So a year ago, hardly any homes in Houston were sold to these companies. Now, 3% of homes in Houston are sold to these companies. Hmm. So that was the first piece of information that came out. The second thing is a lot of times when I talk to uh, real estate agents or investors, uh, they look at what these iBuyers are doing and they're saying, how are they making money? And it's very difficult to understand how it works because they are mostly startups. Mm -hmm. They aren't public companies. You can't tell what they're doing. But one of them, Zillow, who I mentioned, they are a public company. So they've been releasing their numbers. If you look at all of their quarterly financial reports, it shows that the amount of money they're lo they're actually losing money on homes on average. And the amount of money they're losing per home is increasing. I think there's a few things going on. One is they're trying to get market share and they're really succeeding in that. And two, they're trying to establish like a quality of experience some people think it's because as they're scaling, once they reach market share, they'll start cutting the amount they're losing per home down. But right now, they are bleeding a lot of money. Hmm. When people worry it's not profitable, it is not profitable in this situation yet. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, that's something else we should mention is that um, they make it really easy to sell a house if you have the kind of house they are looking for, which is a house that is... Um, pretty easy to evaluate how much it'd be worth. So it's typically a newer house in a certain price range, the type of house you'd see in some of the newer suburbs, you know, outside of Houston, then inside of Houston where a lot of the houses are more um, sort of unique unto themselves mm -hmm. or might be older, so they might have more variability in quality. Mm -hmm. A type of house I buyers might not buy, for example, are houses in River Oaks. They're um, a little bit above the price range. They're all pretty idiosyncratic. Yes. But there have been people buying them, investors who are tearing them down and building new mansions on spec. Yes, lots of spec mansions in River Oaks and yeah. really everywhere in, inside the loop where land is expensive and you need to build a big house to get your money back. But. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we've definitely been seeing a lot of that. And we've had a couple stories on that recently, yeah. which has been super interesting because some of these houses that investors are buying, or I should say not necessarily investors, let's just call them spec builders. They're also investing, but yeah. these spec builders are buying and tearing down. Some of them are historic. And a couple of them that were recently torn down were designated historic by the city of Houston, they they were designated historic landmarks. It's something that people in Houston are always going to be lamenting, you know, the, the loss of history and the loss of architecture. But on the other side, 
people are younger people are moving into these neighborhoods with a lot of money and they don't want an old house. Mm -hmm. They want something brand new. In fact, I just wrote about someone who has a lot on River Oaks Boulevard and it's a pretty large lot and this person is proposing to build a 25,000 square foot house, I think it is. It would be the second largest house on River Oaks Boulevard. The first oh, is wow. yeah, the first is 30,000 square feet right next to the Country Club. But yeah, I, can you imagine? No. What would you do in that house? I would just clean all the time. Oh gosh. I just wouldn't work. <laughs> Yeah. Be working from home as I swept. Oh, my God. You could work from home. You could Your whole office could work from your home. Yeah, we could all work from <laughs> home. <laughs> I think River Oaks is a pretty iconic place for people who grew up in Houston. And I know you recently drove around it with John Doherty. You know, when you were driving around the neighborhood with him, can you, can you describe what he was telling you or any interesting stories? Well, it was really fascinating to drive around with him because, first of all, his his car had heated seats. Oh, amazing. Yeah. And they also, <laughs> they also have these things where if the car turns, the chair sort of cradles you so you don't move over into the window or to the side. Oh, weird. <laughs> I know. It's pretty amazing technology for that for a car. reminds me of that Ray, Ray Bradbury story about the house that takes care of the children. Oh. And then the children end up killing their parents to protect the house. <gasps> Do you remember that story? I the don't, world? but Great it's real sound... estate story. <laughs> yeah. We have to put it on our list of children's uh, yeah. real estate but stories. The house like cradles the children. The car was cradling you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, River Oaks. Yeah. So this was a while ago, but aside from... The, the fancy features on his car, he's just kind of one of these institutional minds when it comes mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. Houston luxury real estate and River Oaks in particular. He has been selling homes there for decades. In fact, his uh, he started his company in the late 60s, and so he was pretty young back then. So he's had decades of experience. And yeah, it's fascinating to drive through the streets and he can just pick off every house and say, this is who lives there. This is who sold the house. This is who lived there 10 years ago. This was torn down mm -hmm. this year, that year. He just, he he knows that market like, like no other. It was really, it was really interesting trip. Yeah. But like I said, it was a little while ago. There's been a big turn of events with, with John Doherty. Yes. When did you hear that something, there there was change afoot at John Doherty? In the past couple of years, we've been starting to hear about more consolidation in the real mm -hmm. estate brokerage industry. Martha Turner, which is a big luxury firm, became affiliated with Sotheby's, um, a company called Nan and Company, real estate affiliated with Christie's. And so there are these affiliations, but there have also been all-out sales of companies. Heritage Texas Properties was recently sold to Gary Green, and so they've combined. There have been new companies coming in, older companies consolidating, and John Doherty's firm was one that hadn't really done anything yet. And so mm -hmm. there were some rumors that something might happen, and eventually it came out that this company 
out of New York, Douglas Elliman. They entered the Houston market. And shortly after that, and this was within probably the past six months that they came here, shortly after that, they announced that they were acquiring John Doherty Realtors. So mm-hmm. they entered the market through a partnership with a company called Sudoff Companies, which is a real estate brokerage that's about 10 years old here in town, and they specialize in luxury listings and primarily new builds. So think high-rise condo towers, million dollars a piece and up, that sort of thing. The thing that they were missing was a resale brokerage, more typical real estate brokerage where you or I, if we had a house to sell, we would go to them and mm-hmm. and sign up with, with one of the brokers. And John Doherty, while it does have a very luxury side to it, it's a big brokerage that's been around a long time. And so Douglas Elliman announced a deal to purchase John Doherty. So I've been here maybe a year and a half. So when I moved here, it seemed like there was this cast of really established players who all of a sudden sort of became part of like, instead of like these very strong local people, they got sort of consumed by these national chains or affiliated with national chains, places from out of town. Is that how you see it, first of all? And if so, what what's causing it? I think what's causing a lot of this is technology, to be honest. Mm-hmm. The real estate industry, the way people buy and sell homes is changing. It's been established for so long where it was sort of traditional that you'd hire a real estate broker. You would say, okay, I'm willing to give up 6% of the sales price for commissions. And they have open houses and they put out flyers and they sell your house. Well, consumers have been interested in something different lately. And some of these companies are There's a company called Compass that we've talked to Mm -hmm. that is very technology-focused, and they have different ways of selling. But there are all these new technologies that are out there that companies are using to market their properties that if you don't have those, you're going to be left behind. And how did this play out for John Doherty, who knew every single house, everyone who had bought it, everyone who had sold it, this giant name in real estate? How did this trend play out in his specific case? Elliman announced that they were going to acquire the firm. The name was going to stay in place because it's such a brand in Houston. Mm -hmm. He was going to move over to the new firm and everything was going to be great. And then maybe a week or two before that, it came out that two of his top agents including one of the agents who is number one in the entire city, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of homes she sells each Mm -hmm. year, they left. So they left to go to Compass, which is another thing that's been happening, agents Mm -hmm. kind of jumping around. And Elliman and John Doherty said that the deal was still on to combine. And then... Then things began to fall apart. And then things began to fall apart. I started hearing that the deal between Elliman and John Doherty was off or that there had been something that changed about it. And I started calling the companies. I started calling them both one day last week and no one called me back. And I was texting them and no one was really texting me back right away. And then finally I made another call and reached one of the 
spokespeople at Element. And I said, hey, I'm hearing all this stuff that the deal might be off. Can you tell me what's going on? Mm -hmm. And he said, well, you're right. We're no longer buying John Doherty because of a technicality. They wouldn't say exactly what happened. They just said that there was a legal technicality. They said they had already started absorbing many of the agents that were at John Doherty Realtors. There were over 100. And that John Doherty himself and the other sort of executives at the firm would still come over, but the name was not going to stay the same, and it wasn't a true acquisition. That must have been a big surprise. It was a really big surprise, especially because they had already started the transition. And like I said, agents had already started coming over. Mm -hmm. And then it was suddenly, wait a minute, so you're telling me that this name, John Doherty Realtors, that's been a fixture in Houston since 1967, is going away. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially what happened. So what does it mean for it not to technically be an acquisition? So something happened a few days after this was announced okay. that was really even a bigger blow to the company. Mm -hmm. John Doherty filed for bankruptcy. His company filed oh. for bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. That just added another level of sort of a lot of people who I talked to called it a really sad situation because he's been such a such an important person in Houston real estate for so many years. And not only did this deal that he had to be acquired by this big New York company fall through, but he had to declare bankruptcy. And so looking through the bankruptcy filings, he had a lot of outstanding debts of course, which is why you file for bankruptcy anyway. And he had a couple of office leases that were worth, one was worth six and a half million dollars. Wow. Yeah, he had an American Express bill that was, I think, $400,000. There were just a, a, lot of, a lot of expenses, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And another expense that became a real concern and continues to be a real concern for the agents that had worked for him was the commissions. And a lot of them had deals in the works when the sale was supposedly happening. And a lot of them have closings that are scheduled for March, April. Do you know, is the bankruptcy, does that have anything to do with why the company wasn't acquired? Or if they had been acquired, would that have kept the company from going bankrupt? That's unclear at this time. It hasn't come out yet exactly what happened. Okay. But yes, you're not, the timing is really strange. And you're not going to acquire a company that's about to go bankrupt. Yes. Right? Something, something must have changed. Did it have to do with those two women who left and took a bunch of the business with them? Did it have to do with these leases that John Doherty had for office space? So now that this has begun to shake out mm -hmm. and the John Doherty name has disappeared, what's the emotional freight of that? I mean, I think it's a loss that a lot of people in the industry are mourning. They feel like, how can a company that's so established in the community just disappear kind of overnight? And as I continue to cover it, the story, hopefully I'll be able to get more insight into what led to this, what mm -hmm. led to to this kind of sad ending for this really prominent real estate company. Yeah, there's a lot of questions. And in a way, it's kind of like a death, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm hmm Yeah. So 
stay tuned. Thanks for sharing about what's going on in River Oaks and with John Doherty. Yeah, thank you. Listeners, thank you for listening. And if you have an idea for a show or just want to say hi, you can reach out to us. I am at N. Sarnoff and Rebecca. I'm at R.A. Shoots. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, have a great day.